He's coming. He's here. My name is Jeremy. As we continue to worship, uh, let's pray and engage with our God. Father, we're thankful that Jesus has come and he will come again. We pray that that message would um, sit and dwell in us powerfully tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So some of you know this and some of you do not, but my daughter was actually born in a foreign country. She was born in the far distant and strange land of Canada. (laughs) Oh, Canada, oh, Canada. Here's a copy of her. um, It's not a birth certificate because what happens is this. I'll explain it just just as we go here. It's called a consular report of a birth abroad. So when American citizens are living outside the United States and they have a child, in order to redeem or claim their citizenship, they have to fill out all this paperwork and paperwork and then go to the consulate and apply. And it's a super cool and special and meaningful process. It way beats the little green or brown or ugly sheets that you guys got from the, you know, wherever we get them. But it is really neat. The, the original report is kind of like the $20, the new $20 bills or something like that. It has this translucent strip through it. It's really thick paper. It's silky. And it says this on it. It says, um, this is to certify that Eden Grace Lobdell, sex female, born Abbotsford, Canada on such and such a date, acquired citizenship at the birth as established by the documentary evidence presented to the Consular Service of the United States in Vancouver on such and such a date. This is her name, this is her parents, and this is to certify that she is a citizen of the United States of America. Amen? Amen. She's a citizen, and she's also a citizen of Canada, and she has a birth certificate from Canada, but she has no birth certificate from the United States of America. She doesn't have a birth certificate. But for us, for me, my children, my wife, my my boys and my wife, we have birth certificates and on them they say, here's the first name, here's the middle name, and here's the last name. And the reason they do that is because this establishes who that child is. For our daughter Eden, we wanted her to represent God's future redemption and the beautiful state that we started in and the even better future that we're hoping for. And so we named her Eden, but not just Eden, but Eden Grace, that thing that follows the fall that happened in the Garden of Eden. And so we look to the future for God's beautiful redemption in which we will walk together once again with him. And we named her Eden to represent that. When names mean something, and perhaps um, your name does as well, and in this next part of the Christmas story, what we see is Jesus is given a birth certificate, and Jesus is given three names, just like us. First name, a middle name, and a last name. Now, of course, one of those is a title, but in a sense, it actually became his name. And so what I'd like to do today as we read that familiar story of Luke chapter 2 is make those names pop because this is who he is. This is Christ's birth certificate as described in the word of God. So if you would follow along as I read in Luke chapter 2, this is the Jeremy Lobdell version, not the Linus version. And so it will sound a little bit different. Uh, But mine is not a cartoon. Mine is based on quite a bit of study. And so this is the speed dating version of exegesis, if you will. Here we go. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus 
Actually, the decree went out from God. Because Proverbs 21 tells us the king's heart is held in his hands and he sways him wherever he wishes. So Caesar said what God wanted him to say in order to move this family along. That all the world should be registered. And then there's a time stamp. This happened. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. That's a historical marker to show you that this is a real thing. That Jesus is not a fairy tale. Santa Claus is. But there is one thing that is true. And Jesus Christ came. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth. That's no big deal. It's some podunk town out in the middle of the thumb or the UP or wherever. Nobody cares. Nobody's heard of this place. But wait. He went to Judea. Judea, that's like more towards the center, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Hey, there's prophecies about that place. Because he was of the house and lineage of David? Well, this might be going somewhere. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes to demonstrate how he would be buried and laid him in a manger to show what it would be like for him to go in the grave. And as was the case his entire life, there was no place to be found for him with humanity. And in the same region, there were those symbols of God's loving care for his people, the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, just like God watches over his people. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them what pretty much the angels say every time someone sees them, don't be afraid, don't freak out, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be not just for the Jews, but for all people, everywhere, all the time. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Here's his three names on his birth certificate you would find. Number one, a savior. Number two, who is the Christ. And number three, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby again reminding them wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts saying glory to God in the highest And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which just happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. At the end of eight days, Jesus was circumcised and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus' birth certificate would look something like this. Here's a slide, and these are the three points I want to make tonight. His birth certificate would have on it this. Number one, Savior. Number two, Christ. And number three, Lord. Because as Luke 2.11 says, For unto you 
is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Thanks, Pastor Jeremy. That's great. So what? We we received a Savior, a Christ, whatever that is, and someone called Lord. What difference does it make? Well, first of all, the Savior, the idea of a Savior is that somebody is lost. We need help. We're hurt. We're in trouble. And there's a problem. Implicit in Jesus' name, Jesus, from the original um, Hebrew, Yesh Joshua, which moves into Yeshua, which eventually becomes Jesus, means to save. Jesus wasn't the only one at that time named Jesus. There were perhaps a lot of Jesuses. In fact, if you go to Latin America or some Spanish-speaking country, you'll hear people named Jesus. It's not a particularly unique name, but the name itself was given to him to point to the thing at which he would do. Like Joshua, he would be a deliverer. He would save his people, but not from the Canaanites or the Philistines or the Amalekites or the Moabites or any of the other ites. Instead, he would save his people from their sins. Jesus was sent to deliver us from our sins for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. And we were by nature objects of wrath. But God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is a savior sent to save people from their sins. He is the Christ. He is the Christ. So in other words, first of all, with the savior, it gives us hope. Even though we're messed up, even though we're broken, there's a chance. There's an opportunity. There's hope. Secondly, he's called the Christ, which means this. In the original language, it is the, if you move it from, Christ is Greek, you move it back to Hebrew, it means anointed one. Basically, it's a Jewish concept. They're they're looking for a king or a deliverer or someone to come through this messianic or this Davidic line. Through this family tree, they're supposed to become, become a great king who will reign forever and ever from the city of David, from the town of Bethlehem, from this guy named Jesse, this Jesus we learn is that very one and he's unlike any other king because he is the eternal king. So what that does is this. First of all, we have hope because there is a savior. And second of all, we have purpose because there is a kingdom. Many of us, if you're like me, you're sitting at Christmas time and you may be in front of the TV or maybe on the couch or in front of the fireplace and you're going through the motions and you're buying the gifts and you're doing the things and you're showing up at the dinner and you're just like, blah, 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 blah. You know, whatever. What's the point? It's all going to sort of burn up and go away and we'll get up and do it again tomorrow. And it's just wearing me out. But what Jesus does is he actually gives you a food that satisfies, not one that just wears out. But instead, he says he's the bread of life. And as a result, he provides meaning and purpose and hope for the future. And the hope is not just that we build up our little kingdom that burns up and goes away, but instead that we are investing our lives in something that has eternal significance and value. He gives us purpose. He gives us purpose. So number one, Jesus gives us hope. Number two, Jesus gives us purpose. And last of all, so Savior Christ, Lord. And last of all, Lord. Now here's the thing about the Lord peace. A lot of us hear that term and perhaps we think of like medieval Europe and, you know, all this strange sort of fiefdoms and other things. And we're like, that's weird. But 
in that era, what it could be used for was a number of different things. One is it could just be like, sir, like, hello, how's it going, my lord? How are you today? Another is it could be master. And another it is it could be a king. But in the biblical sense, when you watch this word throughout the Old Testament, the way it develops is it's the word that God gives to Moses when he reveals himself and says, Moses, I am. And then over and over again throughout the Old Testament, God uses this word to describe himself more than any other term. And as a result, it becomes a symbol of his relationship with his people. This is the name that was applied to Almighty God. When he says, I am God and there is no other, he's using this term. And so when Jesus comes and this term is applied to Jesus, the claim that is being made here is not just that he is sir, not just that he is master, not just that he is a temporary Lord, but instead that he is the eternal God. In other words, when this says that Jesus is Lord, it is saying that Christ is, is supreme over everything. He is supremely valuable. He is supremely powerful. He is supremely authoritative. There is no one who can question him and no one who can stop him. He is the boss of all because he owns it all and he owns it all because he created it all. The psalmist locate his ownership in the fact that he made the earth. It says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof for he founded it upon the waters, and established it upon the seas. Abraham Kuyper, a theologian, says it like this, There is not one square inch in the whole dominion of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign, does not cry, Mine. It's his. All of it. Everything. Because he is Lord. And so when you look at your Christmas cards and you read the greetings and you hear the nice little things on TV, you need to understand that these three terms are names when taken together as a whole that means something different from everything else. When it says that he is Savior, it means that we are sinners. But when it says that he is Savior, it means that there is hope. When it says that he is Christ, the Messiah, it means that he is a king. And when it means that he is a king, means that there is purpose and there is a kingdom and something worth investing our lives in. And when it says that he is Lord, it means that he owns and controls everything. And it's to him that every single knee should bow. And so tonight, as we celebrate Christmas, I want to remind you of those things, of Jesus' birth, And the significance of his existence. And this is the most important part of the message that I'm getting to right now. If if you miss the rest of it, okay, fine. But hear this. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, Jesus came and Jesus will come again. His coming is good news. That's what the angels told us. Because Jesus was sent to save us from our sin. But his second coming is either going to be good news or it's going to be bad news. And for those who have believed in him and confessed and repented, it is great news. But for those who have rejected him, it is bad news. Jesus is coming. He is king. He is Lord. He is sovereign. He owns it all. And he will not share his glory with another. And so tonight, as you consider Christmas, yeah, there's gifts, there's trees, there's lights, there's all this other pretty stuff. But I want you to consider what is the real meaning, not just of Christmas, but of life, of our existence. Where do we find hope? Where 
do we find meaning? And who has established and owned it all? This one in Luke chapter 2 verse 14 answers that question. Who is this child? What does his certificate say? For unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Father, we thank you and praise you for Jesus, our Savior, Christ the Lord. He's the king of all. He's in control. He's good. He's loving. He's kind. He's just. He is judge. And Lord, we pray that as he comes, that we would get ready. And even so, come, Lord Jesus. Thank you.